I get the queen's death being important. And I understand the significance of covering her funeral. And I would not want it to be covered in a disrespectful way. But at the same time, when a hurricane is barreling down in the United States, every single time we've gotten either wall-to-wall coverage or at least 90% coverage. This time, a hurricane is barreling down on the United States, but it happens to be a Latino place, Puerto Rico. And we're denied, we're denied knowing what is happening in Puerto Rico because they don't matter, because news is 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 biased and I'm, there's no other way to explain it and and in this story we have the genesis of two things right and one of them is a certain prejudice that we just have to deal with and the other one is news is just not what it used to be it's not based on what's the most important story it's based on other factors Agua. And here we go once again, Rick Sanchez News. This is part of Agua Media, and we're so glad you're there. We're especially grateful because, I mean, we're seeing some trends that are so exciting. I, don't, I mean, you know, for us, we're just, you know, we thought, what, two months ago we would start this podcast thing, and we had no idea that it was going to catch on the way it's caught on so far. I mean, yesterday, just in the first couple of moments of releasing our podcast, like within minutes, we had like between six and 700 downloads. Those are people who just, boom, Wait, we're waiting for our podcast to release and and they hit it like right away, you know, just like a, like a cuda, you know, hitting uh, the bait on top of the water in the Florida Keys or like like a bass, you know, hit hit hitting that little wiggle worm. Right. I mean, boom. It's like uh, it's just exciting. We're, we're, we're excited. You know, we have consumptions rates we could never even imagine. That means the people, when they listen to our podcast, they're listening to like 90% of the podcast. In some cases, 98, 99% of the podcast, which is really, really exciting for us. So listen, we, I just want to say thanks. This is a, We try to have important conversations about what we call Latino truths, the things that are actually going on right now in the United States and really in the world. And, and our perspective as Latinos is never heard, you know. We usually hear the very elitist, powerful perspective. And, you know, those of us down here that we like to call, you know, Latino plus, it's not just Latinos, it's Latinos and African-Americans and Asians and all of us down here who sometimes are wondering why our voice isn't heard. Well, that's what we do. We make sure those voices are heard. And and boy, but we've got a hell of an interesting topic today, that, which I think is going to kind of rile you up a little bit, or at least inform you, I hope. But one of the things that that we also want to do just before we get started is I want to let you know that we're growing. Agua Media has another podcast that I want to tell you about. It's called Yes, This Happened. The producer is uh, Mario Gongora. This guy's cool. You know, he's he's one of them cool Latino, Mexican type, super talented, tells unbelievable stories. And his stories, Yes, This Happened, are about odd things that really happened in people's life, which are scary as hell. So it's, yes, this happened. Put it on. It's a quick little trip into Spookyville. And you'll come away going, wow. You know, it's a mind fry. You know, compliments of Agua Media and Mario Gongora, who's another one of our podcasters here at Agua Media. And the show, remember this, yes, this happened. Yes, this happened is uh, the name of uh, the show. It's kind of a true crime, horror kind of thing. And there's stories from people from throughout Latin America, through the recesses of their minds, things they saw as children, things they experienced. We all have bizarre stories, right? Things that happen at some point in our life. Well, he collects them and tells them through the person themselves who actually experienced it. Really cool stuff. By the way, Talk about bizarre stuff that's happening. I don't know if you've seen, but all of a sudden yesterday, I mean, first we got news that there was an earthquake in Mexico. And uh, then we got news that there was a uh, a uh, hurricane hitting uh, Puerto Rico. And got, by the way, we're not talking just hurricane. We're talking category three hurricane. And I've got to ask you this question. You know, again, I'm, I'm sorry, but I got to do this. This is the Latino perspective, right? I mean, I want you to know that we're following, within the last 24 hours, a Category 3 hurricane, which is now a Category 4, by the way, but a Category 3 hurricane hits the United States of America. 
a Category 3 hurricane barrels down, slams into the United States of America. That is what happened, right? That is exactly what happened. And I know that every time in the past a Category 3 hurricane has hit the United States of America, and sometimes they weren't even Category 3s, they were Category 1s. And sometimes they turned out to be duds. I know! I'm the guy they sent to cover them. Hello, Rick Sanchez, CNN correspondent. Hello, Rick. We need you to get on a plane and go to Louisiana. There's a hurricane that's about to hit. We need you to go to the Outer Banks of uh, the Carolinas. There's a hurricane that's about to hit there, Mr. Sanchez. Watch to get down there and cover it. So I, you know, get all my gear and I get my producer and my photographers and we get the sound equipment and we're there and we're waiting and I start filing reports. Yes, Anderson, we're standing by here in the Outer Banks of South Carolina where we're told that uh, a Category 1, possibly a 2 hurricane, should be slamming up against this coast. We're told it could happen within the next five to six hours, but here we are waiting for it. Yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm doing a report for you, right? That's what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm a correspondent. And, I, and I've done this so many times, I could practic practically do it with my eyes closed because that's all I've done all my life, right? I go on TV and I tell stories. And every damn time that there's been a hurricane, Category 1, sometimes even tropical storms, Category 2, Category 3, once it's above Category 2, you know what they do, right? I mean, you watch, whether it's CNN or Fox or MSNBC, it's boom, wall-to-wall -wall coverage. It's Hurricane Charlie, Hurricane Betty, Hurricane, you name it, all the time, every hour, sometimes the entire show. You know, the Anderson Coopers of the world, they love this kind of crap. So yesterday, as I said, we had a Category 3 hurricane slam into the United States of America and I, I want to play for you the coverage because the coverage was really interesting. I don't know if you got a chance to see this uh, this hurricane coverage. Let's let's start if we could, uh, George. Let's start let's start with the hurricane coverage on uh, CNN. Let's see how they covered it. It's such a seismic moment for the United Kingdom, isn't it? But this is when you think look at those castle walls and think about the history. It's I'm not saying it's just another monarch, but in its in its story, it's another monarch. Hmm. I didn't hear anything about a hurricane. Must have caught them in a bad time, CNN. Huh. Must have just caught them in a bad time. Maybe, 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 uh, maybe they just were happened to be on the Queen at that time. Let's check and see what they're doing over at Fox News. Let's check that. Can we check that? Beautiful. So this is the, we call this the long walk. Is that right? The long it's, it's walk? It sort of does what it says on the tin. It's once you start, it's a very long walk, yeah. uh, but it's a very beautiful walk through the grounds of Windsor Castle up to the castle. Long walk. We're talking about long walks. It's a, by the way, you should know, <laughs> and this is important, it's not just a long walk. It's a beautiful long walk. You know, hey, there's a difference. I mean, that that's what got it to be, you know, covered all day long because it's not just a walk. If it was a walk, they probably would have put the hurricane in front of the story. But once they learned it was a beautiful long walk, that made it very different. So, so that means that, you know, Fox News had to go all day long covering uh, the Queen and the fact that she died. What was it now? Two weeks ago or something? I don't know. How long, how long has the Queen been dead? I don't even know. Somebody tell me at some point. Is it even important? Now, you know, right? MSNBC, for sure. Now, remember, Fox News, you know, it's Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico or Latinos. Fox News does not make its Fox News does not make its money with Latinos, right? The the business model for Fox News is we need to make white people angry about black people and Latinos. That's that's their MO. That's their business model. Which is cool. That's their business model. They they it's like if you have a grocery store and and you sell items to vegans. Well, you know, I Generally, I'm going to market to vegans because I have a vegan grocery store. Fox News has not a vegan grocery store. They have a white person grocery store. Their messaging is to white people. And they want ang pe white people to be angry whenever they can make them angry. And so, you know, if this was hitting Alabama, Fox News would be full. I mean, it would be hurricane coverage, full boat all the time, 24-7 because Alabama matters to Fox News and Puerto Rico doesn't. 
And I get that. And listen, I understand that. I'm a businessman. I understand what a business model is. I understand marketing. I understand promotions. But but here's MSNBC. Now, MSNBC is the opposite business model. They, they don't talk to angry white people. They talk to angry minorities. Their whole, their whole, you know, piece de resistance is what? You know, that's that's our that's our look, that's our mission, that's our, you know, that, that that's our messaging, you know. So you would think they would definitely be covering, um, right? They're, they're the liberal cable news channel. So they would be covering Puerto Rico, right? Wouldn't they be a category three hurricane about to hit the United States of America? You notice I keep saying the United States of America, because by the way, Puerto Rico is the United States of America. You, you do know that, right? We know that. I mean, I know you know that because you're watching, listening to this podcast. So that means you're Latino. So you understand that Puerto Rico is part of the United States of America. So when a hurricane hits Puerto Rico, it's hitting the United States of America. It's just as if it were hitting Alabama or the Outer Banks of South Carolina. So back to my point. If anybody should be covering the storm, it should be MSNBC, right? Let's check and see. What do you say we go to MSNBC and see if they're covering the storm? And thank you, Mika and Joe and Willie. I'm Katie Turr in London, alongside Andrea Mitchell and Chris Jansen, continuing our coverage of Queen Elizabeth's funeral, a day 60 years in the planning. Who was that? Katie Turr, Andrea Mitchell, and somebody. They've got an entire team out there. They're live. The Queen is dead. And we're going to stay on top of that. We've got this story covered. This dead Queen story, we got it. We're not going to let anybody else cover it as best, as as well as we can. And if anything changes here, like maybe if the queen came back to life, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll be the first ones. <laughs> Sorry. Look, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm, you know, I understand. This is an important story. The queen is, after all, you know, the head of the British monarchy was in that realm for longer than anybody ever. Um, and it's a fascinating story and, and it is fun to watch. You know, I've sat there myself on the couch sometimes and watched the intricacies of Meghan Markle in particular. I am fascinated by her. Fascinated. Um, she is not a happy camper. She is not a happy camper, that Meghan Markle. You, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see. She is nervous. I mean... She's like a one-legged man at an ass-kicking contest. She knows she is out of place and she is going to do nothing but lose there. You could tell she's uncomfortable looking around to see, why does everybody here hate me? <laughs> it's like, that, that's the feeling I get when I watch her. She's thinking that. Why does everybody here hate me? And she's holding on to her husband's hand, the prince's hand, like it's like, like she's going to, like it's a vice, right? And, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. I know there's a lot of you out there who maybe see her with a little bit of suspect and you're, you know, you're, you're a little uh, suspicious of the fact that she's gotten so much attention and you're wondering if she was maybe trying to get attention after all, she was an actress. And, but with all, with all due respect to that, I want you to know there's another side to this story. There's another side to this story and it's historic. History sometimes plays into these things. And, and, and I want to touch on that in just a little bit. But first, I want to I want to bring in Scotty. Scotty Bednick. What's up, dude? What's going on? How are you, How's man? Everything? So listen. Uh, you know, just, just I was enjoying that riveting coverage of the Queen's funeral. <laughs> I, I was, wow. Ooh. This is not just a walk. It's a beautiful walk. So, so much of it bleeds, it leads. I mean, like, that is some of the most boring television ever. Like, I can't. I, I just can't believe that they would just throw that on for like ten hours straight. But what, but here's what I. But here's what I want to know because I know I asked you to do this and you were kind enough yeah. to do it because you've got the tools and the time and I don't. Um, actually, I don't know <laughs> if you have the time because you've got small uh, kids. So I, I want to thank you because that means you know I can't, when I asked you to do this I was pulling you away from your kids and I've always hated when people okay. pull me away from stuff with my kids. But you know, hey, job is a job. So we all work and we do what we got to do. But. Um, so I wanted to be fair to MSNBC and CNN and Fox, right? Since they're the three main cable stations. And, and, and I will say this. Am I wrong to say this, Scotty? 
In the past, whenever a Category 2 or 3 or certainly 4 hurricane has been uh, barreling down on any part of the United States, all three of those networks have gone with wall-to-wall coverage 24 hours, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just from the probably like two days before it makes landfall is when you start seeing the, you know, you'll start seeing the generated chirons and the different graphics that they made, especially for this hurricane. Mm-hmm. And by the night before the you know morning of, forget it, it's wall to wall. Wall to wall. And, and, you, and there's there's literally no other stories being covered. I mean, you're just. And we've lived through those before where you're watching on TV what we're seeing outside and it creates like this excitement almost this this adrenaline like as you're watching on tv what you're seeing and even when it's happening in other places so do uh puerto ricans who happen to be americans matter less in the eyes of uh msnbc in the eyes of fox news in the eyes of cnn than some dude living in uh the outer banks of south carolina or some dude in jacksonville florida or some gal in Louisiana? Do, do, do they matter less? Do they deserve different coverage? Because that's what they got, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. No, you're not. And I went through yesterday, uh, the last two, three days, and I've looked at some of the coverage, and the Queen's coverage has literally outweighed it like four times to one. And that's like that's giving them a lot for Puerto Rico. You know, four to one, if that. Um, so yesterday, put put me there. Maybe I'll just ask you questions to get a better, because I know yeah, you sure. went through, you did a content analysis for us. And we appreciate right. you doing a content analysis for us, because these things are really important. I think sometimes we we all don't have time to sit there and watch every station. We only watch for a few minutes. But you actually went through and kind of did a like a like an unscientific measurement, if you would. Um, yeah. if you will. And, and, and what would you say the percentage of the coverage of the queen was on, let's say all three of the cable stations? I no. would say yesterday in particular, which was the day of the, the funeral, I would say probably 90%. No exaggeration there. So n- wait, not 90% of the coverage was the queen's yesterday. burial at the same exact time that a Category 3 hurricane was barreling down and bridges were being washed away, entire uh, communities were flooded, a million people were without electricity. While that was going on, America was shown 90% of the time on cable television, uh, the Queen. That's correct. I'll just, let me just give you a quick sample. Let's just say yesterday morning, uh, 8 a.m. hour, which is one of the big you know times in the morning. MSNBC mentioned Puerto Rico 11 times, not throughout the whole show. That's just 11 times. That could have been within a two-minute segment, a 10-minute segment, a one-minute segment, 11 times. Uh, Fox and Friends on Fox News, Puerto Rico during the 8 o'clock hour was only mentioned three times, (laughs) uh, which most likely is probably like, hey, we're following today uh, hurricanes hitting Puerto Rico. Right. You know, that's basically probably what they got there. If it were were hitting Alabama, it would be the sky. Falling. Oh, it'd be 300, not three. I mean, <laughs> and then uh, 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 New Day on CNN with John Berman and Brianna Keeler, Keeler uh, seven times, seven mentions in the eight o'clock hour yesterday. So the rest of the hour was basically dedicated to the queen. Like I said, probably 90% of it was the queen with a little bit of sprinkling of uh, the migrants being shipped off to uh, Martha's Vineyard and a few other, you know, little stories. I do this because, you know, I, I just... There are two things that are like my mission here. One of them is I'm a Latino and it pisses me off when we're ignored. It pisses me off when our truths aren't told. And it pisses me off when we are underrepresented, despite the fact that we're 20% of the population of the United States. That's number one. My my, my second, you know, north, as they like to say, as uh, as this podcast host that I am, is I've been a journalist all of my life. And I like to point out for people that journalism is not what we think it is, that that it comes with inherent biases. And, and this is just one of those perfectly uh, told uh, inherent biases. I mean, when um, when a hurricane is barreling down in the United States, every single time we've gotten either wall-to-wall coverage or at least 90% coverage, this time... A hurricane is barreling down on the United States, but it happens to be a Latino place, Puerto Rico, you know. And I, my, I, 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 I'm, I'm so sad, and my heart goes out to the people of Puerto Rico. These are our brothers. These are, I mean, los puertorriqueños, 
Son parte de nuestra comunidad. You're from New York. You know, every third person you knew was probably Puerto Rican. I mean, you, you, you if you're from New York, you probably want to know about this as well, right? And we're yeah. denied, we're denied knowing what is happening in Puerto Rico because they don't matter, because news is 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 biased and I'm, there's no other way to explain it and and in this story we have the genesis of two things right you know the the the, the two cousins of malady that are affecting us as a nation right now and one of them is a certain prejudice that we just have to deal with and for us latinos we feel that you know and it's not like we're saying hey you know we can't make it without it i mean it's fine you want to be prejudiced be prejudiced but we're going to point it out and the other one is news is just not what it used to be. It's not based on what's the most important story. It's based on other factors. And, and that's what I think you just showed us, Scotty. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to remember back to, I think it was 2017 when Hurricane Maria hit. I mean, there we had wall-to-wall -wall coverage of the hurricane that hit you know, Puerto Rico, but it wasn't the lead-up, if I remember correct, and it wasn't while the hurricane was hitting. It was the shit show that occurred after, especially when they were piling it onto Donald Trump which then it's, hey, we get to talk shit about Trump. Let's do it. Let's run it wall to wall. Um, but yeah, I think the real test would be if uh, Hurricane 3 hits the continental United States at the same time a, a, a British monarch uh, passes away. Let's and by the way, and by the way I, I want to I say something about that as well. I, I think this is really important. And I'm going to say it because this is the kind of show that I do. I, I, I you know, I'm a truth teller, man. And that's why I've always been fired by every place I've ever worked. And this time, the only person who could fire me is me because I own this company. So the hell with you. <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I get the queen's death being important. And I understand the significance of covering a funeral. And I would not want it to be covered in a disrespectful way. But at the same time, I am a big believer in context. I, you've heard me a million times use the word context, right? How long have you and I been working together, Scotty? Ten years plus, at least. And and Maybe what do I? And what what is my buzzword for fairness and coverage and for telling a story? <laughs> you hit me with it all the time. Yeah, but what's the context? Scotty? What's the context? <laughs> what's right? The context? I mean, and then it, you tear me apart when I bring you something stupid. I mean, that's how it goes. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's anything more important than context, and and yes. I'll be just. I'll just be real honest with you. Um, there is no contextual coverage of the queen and her life, her death, the monarchy, what it represents. There is an awful lot that should be told about what the monarchy has represented. Yeah, there's good there, I know, and people love them and they think it holds the country together and good for them who may think that way. But there's a lot of truths that need to be told about this situation. There are a lot of truths that need to be told about what this, this, I, look, I'm going to say it. The queen and the monarchy, God bless her. I'm sad she finally died, but she has blood on her hands. Lots of it. The British monarchy has been cruel, unjust, they have taken advantage of people, including the British people, not to mention people all over the world. And I'm not saying that should be the story, but it should be part of the story. It should be part of the story. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of you're definitely leaving, leaving a big part of the story out. And, well, I mean, look, I, I just started doing some research myself. And, and by the way, I understand we're going to have a guest coming in in just a minute. Kristen, stand by. Chris, Kristen Meinzer, she has a podcast called The Royal Report, uh, works with Newsweek, and uh, she's going to be joining us in just a little bit to shed some light on, on some of the things that you were just talking, you and I were just talking about. So, A, we established the fact that they should have covered the hurricane. And it's shameful that American media ignored this freaking hurricane that hit a city in the United States of America. And maybe it's because they're Latino and they don't matter as much. Maybe it's because they'd already spent too much money and they had too many crews out there where the queen is. But I, in my lifetime, have seen net networks, right? Because I lived it. I remember when the Pope was in Havana, Cuba. And all the main anchors for all the three networks, you know, Tom broke jaw and Peter Jennings and uh, Dan Rather were all sent to do their newscast live from Havana because the Pope was going to Havana and it was a huge story. And then all of a sudden they got information 
that Monica Lewinsky, someone no one had ever heard of, was apparently in a relationship with the President of the United States. They got all three of those guys, they put their asses on a plane, brought them back to Washington, and they did their stories there that night. So they changed the plan. Even though they'd already spent oogles of money in Havana, yeah. they changed the plan. They did it then, but they weren't willing to do it now. So they would do it for the salaciousness of a Monica Lewinsky story, but they weren't willing to do it for a story involving the potential deaths of who knows how many Puerto Ricans yeah. with a Category 3 hurricane bearing down on them. Think about that for a minute. What's what's American media specifically? What's the fascination with the monarchy in, in Britain? Because I'm thinking back now to uh, what president recently died. Was it uh, uh, when, uh, when Reagan died and Nixon, you know, and, and people like that? I don't ever remember coverage like this. Even for the inaugurations. I mean, sure, we have wall-to-wall -wall coverage because it's like our thing, but not it, – it doesn't – from the portrayal of it on media, on mainstream media, no, you're it right. doesn't you feel the same. You're, you're, I think you're like referring the graphics, to Bush. Everything. The, the last yeah, president Bush, who sorry, died yeah, was, the last was president George. president that passed away. Yeah, yeah it was George, I mean, they, George. Showed, they, showed, they showed the ceremony. Two days. They showed the eulogy. It was two days, two days of coverage. Yeah. Not, not a not week. Not like it is now with this. No. Not even, on this, not even on the day of the procession was it so, like so, this. So I, listen, I listen to what you're saying. We adhere more to the monarchy of Great Britain yeah. than we do our own. So-called monarchy, I, I, our own president. I mean, you know, with the weddings, you think about the weddings. They, they, the, the coverage. They send all the anchors out there, and the, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't know the fascination. Joining us now is Kristen Meinzer. Uh, her podcast is called The Royal Report. You can find The Royal Report on uh, Spotify or on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I can't wait to get into it with her. I, I, I can't help but think. And all I'm saying, by the way, I don't want to be disrespectful to the queen. I don't want to be disrespectful about the monarchy. But I will say this. There is a contextual part of this story that has been completely ignored by the media. And we do this kind of crap all the time. Do you agree? Oh, my gosh. Uh we absolutely see this over and over and over again. And um, as somebody who uh, very much is an anti-racist royal watcher, it is something that drives me nuts. This is a very important world leader. She is the longest reigning monarch in all of UK history, the longest reigning female monarch on the planet ever in all of history. This is important. She was very much a stabilizing force. She was a rock for a lot of people. She was around for 15 US presidents, 14 of which she met, uh, 15 prime ministers. There is a lot of history. There was a lot of ideology attached to this monarch, and I don't want to poo-poo that, but there is also a lot of uh, problematic stuff, too. There are transgressions. She is a figurehead for a lot of things that are not okay in the world. Colonialism, racism, classism, so many things. And uh, I, I think now more than ever is the time to talk about those things. I, I've been asked in a number of interviews, please, Kristen, can't you have some respect? Why are you bringing this up now? And I say, if not now, when? The best time to bring up all of this stuff was obviously uh, decades or centuries ago, but the second best time is now. So let's talk about it now. While while all the world's attention is on the United Kingdom, let's talk about it now. Right, let's and, and it's it. so we can learn, just like we have our yes. own faux pas. I've said, look, I'm a Latino, and I've explained how the United States government interfered in Guatemala. We removed a guy who was elected because we didn't like him. We started a coup and a civil war, which led to the deaths of 200,000 people. We did that. My country, the country I love, I am a proud American, but we did that. And I want to say that those people and their families deserve an apology. And that's all I'm saying. It doesn't make me a bad American. It's no different no. than when I punish my kids for screwing up. When my kids do something wrong, I don't go over and say, you're a great kid. It doesn't matter. You can do no wrong because you're a Sanchez. No, I tell them that they did something wrong. And that's the way we should be if we really want to be patriots. I mean, that's how I see it. Call me crazy. Yeah. I mean, part of owning our history and owning our identity is owning the good and the bad and hopefully learning from the bad, hopefully uh, making amends with those that we have hurt. And I do want to point out, however, in a number of interviews I've done with British media on the topic of the death of the Queen, 
and you know, bringing up these issues like classism and colonialism and racism, more than a few interviewers have said, don't you have your own problems? America, you're not even taking care of your people in Puerto Rico right now. Mm -hmm. So take care of your own first before criticizing us. And, that, and, and by the way, that, that is, that, why can't we criticize both? I have room for all of those things. Th this, this is why this is a, a confluence of two events that somehow comes yeah. together, which leads me, I had no intention today of talking about this. The only reason I'm talking about this is because yesterday a Category 3 hurricane hit Puerto Rico and the American media ignored it. They literally ignored yeah. it, I mean, for the most part, uh, mm -hmm. compared to the coverage they've given to the Queen's death. And it made me think, well, okay, if you're going to have two weeks of coverage straight of the Queen's death, then maybe you should mention some of these things, because I want to bring something to your attention. I want to bring something to your attention. Every I've heard said from many people, oh, listen, Rick, that's not fair. A lot of these things that happened happened before the Queen's reign. She was not responsible. It didn't happen during her time. Well, I did a little research, and here's what I found. I've got about five good cases. 1953, Her Majesty's government sent three warships along with 700 troops to its colony, uh, British colony, Guyana, suspended the Constitution and overthrew the democratically elected government uh, that was elected there. I'll give you another one. Her Majesty's government helped to build the long-supported apartheid government of South Africa. Here's another one. Her Majesty's government savagely crushed the Mau Mau independence movement in Kenya from 1952 to 1960, hurting 1.5 million Kenyans into concentration camps where they were tortured. And for good measure, here's one more. Her Majesty's government inherited staggering wealth from the $45 trillion it looted from India, the wealth accumulated by violently crushing a series of uprisings, including the first war of independence back in 1857. So these are things that happened that we have to look at and say, well, not so nice, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it is the history that she inherited. It is the history she chose to uphold. She chose to uphold certain standards. And it is the history that she actually made. It's all three of those histories. And um, so she was not just an innocent party. She wasn't just an innocent figurehead. She actually was involved in certain things. And I think now the younger generations that are in the palace know that they can't just pretend none of this happened anymore. I think they know it needs to be grappled with. Uh, Prince William and Kate Middleton went on a disastrous disastrous Caribbean tour in the spring where they were met with protesters who said, we don't bow down to you. We don't want to be your subjects anymore. We don't want to be a colony anymore. And at the time it was full of terrible photo ops, fumbles, but when it was all done with, William did do something unprecedented. He put out a statement and said, yes, it is up to the people to determine what they want their lives and future to be and it was a real learning experience for me. And so I do think that we are now, with the death of the queen, entering a new era, hopefully, where the younger uh, members of the monarchy are ready to talk about, hopefully, more than she ever did. Which, well, by the way, isn't hard because she almost never talked about anything at all. Well, but, but, but the, the to, younger to that members point, of the monarchy to that point, are tiptoeing toward it. Yes. Th this is fascinating what you said. She never talked about it. Shouldn't she, at some point in her life before she passed away, shouldn't she have apologized to the people of Kenya, the people of India, the people of some of these countries that were brutalized by the monarchy? And I get it. You could just say, look, history is replete with horrible wars and horrible events. And for whatever part my country took in that, I, as the British monarch, want to apologize for it. She never did that, did she? Or did I miss it? No, I, I think it would have been great if she had done that. And thus far, um, any apologies issued by members of the monarchy have uh, mostly spoken in the passive third person. Um, it is regretful that that happened. They do a lot of that kind of talk, which I consider a non-apology. That's not an apology. Um, and yes, it would have been great if she had done that. But I also understand that the monarchy is terrified that if they actually overtly, sincerely take responsibility, show remorse for their transgressions, that what will happen next is there will be calls for reparations. And those calls for reparations will be completely valid, in my opinion. 
but I don't know if they have a plan in place of what they would do if reparations were requested or frankly demanded. What about the opium wars? I mean, my reading of it is that they um, purposefully got as many people as they possibly could hooked on opium on purpose. Let me just repeat that again. Mittingly, they, they, they got them high on opium so that they could make money off them by then selling them the opium. This is no different than the cartels that we talk about on the nightly news. Am I wrong? You know, there are so many different versions of that, Rick, too. I mean, even if we're just going to talk about food and not drugs, about, you know, taking all of the resources away from a place, like their coffee, and then selling it back to them as instant coffee at 10 times the price. Uh, I feel like this is so much the model of how colonialism around the world has always worked. Let's take their best resource, uh, make tons of money off of it, and sell it back to them in the worst possible version. Um yeah, and, it's part and, of the playbook. Well, yeah, and this is and, and this is what I'm saying, that these are things that if we see other countries do it today, there's all this talk about China being evil and Iran being evil and Russia being evil and Venezuela being evil. And I don't know, there's probably a dozen more that don't come to mind right now. But we 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 single out all these countries and then we say, look what they did. But then if if you have any sense of history, you compare it to the things that have been done by countries that we like, and the difference is this, none. It's either the same or maybe even in some cases the countries we like have done worse. So it, 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 it almost becomes like you have to be a really wise content consumer to understand where you're being bullshitted, <laughs> pardon the phrase, you know? Yeah. And that's hard to do in today's media climate where a lot of the media that uses taglines like fair and balanced are actually just opinion shows. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm reading here that it's not until the 1960s that, listen to this. Here's another interesting thing about the monarchy and the queen. Not until the 1960s, which isn't too far long ago, by the way, that's my lifetime, that colored, and I'm reading a quote here, colored immigrants or foreigners were even permitted to work in even just clerical roles in the royal household. So up until the 1960s, if you weren't lily white, you couldn't even work for the royals, even though you were a British subject and you were paying taxes to the royals and they were living off of you. I'm just going to be very frank with you. For the most part, um, the royals, uh, the staff is still mostly white. Um, there, there were... Um, conversations happening about whether or not there would be some information released about um, some HR complaints uh, uh, against Meghan Markle and whether or not uh, along with those complaints there would be released you know, the, uh, what they found in the investigations about what is the racial makeup of the staff and so on. And a few months ago the palace said we're not actually going to release any of this stuff and uh, overwhelmingly, critics said, is that because your staff is still all white people? Is that because none <laughs> of these HR complaints actually were real? Is it possible that this is a royal staff of all white people who maybe takes issue with their first princess of color? Is that what's, ha is, is that what's happening here? Because it does seem a little peculiar that you did not release any of this stuff when initially you made a giant hullabaloo about this investigation and wanting to release all of this. Let's talk about Meghan Markle. I am fascinated by this woman. And I, I, I haven't known enough, or maybe I haven't read enough to understand the peculiarities of her case. Um, there, there are times when I've looked at her and thought maybe she was kind of trying to bring on this attention herself or onto herself. And like, I thought to myself, well, it's got to be difficult for anybody who goes into a new family and you got to just grin and bear some of it because there's always, I mean, when I first started dating my wife, my wife is from Georgia and she is from the most hillbilly part of Georgia you could ever imagine. Uh, a place uh, in the, like, you know, where, well, let's just say it is what it is. It's kind of in the sticks, right? Um, and she would take me to dine with her grandparents and her granddad used the n-word like it was going out of style and i sat there going oh my god and uh and it was tough but he was 90 something years old and i wasn't going to get into an argument and i love my wife so i didn't want to you know so you just i grinned and i bared it 
right? He called me Julio. My name is not Julio, but to him, it was funny to call me Julio. He was trying to let me know that he thought I was like a little bean Hispanic guy, you know, whatever. It was tough. I didn't like it, but I got through it. And it wasn't about, I wasn't going to live with them. I was going to live with my wife, who's the most beautiful, wonderful person that a man could ever meet. And we've been together for 33 years. So when I saw at the beginning of this Megan thing, her uh, complaining and taking it public, I thought to myself, I wonder if she's kind of going a little overboard. But then recently, I've been looking at it a little more carefully, and I've read what her husband has said. Um, Harry, Prince Harry, and uh, I'm 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 kind of changing my mind about this a little bit. And then I watched her during this thing, and I watched the way she was treated, and I watched the way she was walking. She looked like I said it's earlier, like like she was a, a one-legged woman in an ass-kicking contest, like she had no chance, like she was afraid, like she was worried about what people were going to do to her or was saying to her. I mean, she looked panic-stricken, and I'm thinking that's got to be real. That's got to be real. So I don't know. Th- those are my thought processes I've been, as I've been looking at Meghan Markle. What are yours? Well, I want to say first and foremost, she is not the one who was drawing attention to herself as far as the misogyny and racism that she was being treated um, with by the press and by a lot of the public in the UK at the time when she entered the royal family, when she first started dating Harry. It was Harry who first took the unprecedented step of issuing a statement about his girlfriend at the time, saying that the uh, racism and the misogyny was unacceptable. He was the one who drew attention to the issues. And how could he have stayed silent? There were headlines in newspapers all over the country, the Daily Mail, the Mirror, uh, all of the tabloids, headlines saying that uh, Harry's new girl is almost straight out of Compton. Uh, Stories that were associating her with um, jihadists saying that she was essentially a terrorist uh, and much, much worse things. Uh, one headline She was suicidal, was, right? She, she, yeah. They, they, one headline was literally it said, I have a niggling feeling about this girl. You know, I mean, they were not subtle about their racism and misogyny against her. And she was not the one speaking out. It was Harry. Harry was standing up for his woman because he very rightfully was outraged by how she was being treated. So, but and but so, what was it? But was it real though, Kristen? Was was was? Could we, as human beings who are in the limelight, uh, you know, I have been in the limelight all my life. I've gotten so much. I mean, humiliation and criticism. I, and, so have I. Try being a woman of color. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, and I'm, not to diminish what you've gone. No, through. no, exactly. Saying, we're both. You know, I'm a Latino and you're Asian, yes, and you yes. know, we're. And I'm just saying, like. There's that extra added level of um, misogyny thrown in with it. It's mm-hmm. just double the fun. Let me just tell you, it's double <laughs> the fun. And and I am glad Harry spoke up for her because you know somebody would have called her uppity if she spoke up for herself. He was outraged. He did not like seeing his partner being attacked in the media uh, in much the same in much the same way his mom was being attacked. You followed it much closely, much more closely than than I did or most people did. So you're the perfect person to ask this question of, was it that bad to bring about the reaction that it got from her and from Harry? Was it? Oh, yeah. It was was. terrible. And not only was it terrible, a lot of these tabloid journalists would just essentially take things they saw on Twitter or on, um, you know, different forums, uh, and like Reddit, and then they would turn that into a whole story where it would just be a complete roundup of comments about why she's a terrible person, uh, why she doesn't deserve to be in this family, why she sullies the royal blood. There were many stories about how she was sullying the royal blood, which frankly is inbred. It's all cousins who married cousins. And they're all all German. And they're all Germans, by the way. They're all Germans. (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they're not even British for the most part, at least according to uh, according to uh, my reading. And you're just, what they were really saying is she's not white enough, right? Yeah. Essentially, yeah. they were saying she's not white enough. They were also saying that she's not classy enough. Here in the U.S., one of the things that we mythologize the most is a self-made millionaire, which is what she is. And the British aristocracy sees that as just another sign that you're working class. They don't see that as something to be celebrated. Let me ask you a question. I understand there were there was a real consideration given to perhaps not inviting her 
And I guess since they come as a package, possibly not even inviting Harry because of all the discord in the last several months. And then apparently it was uh, Charles who said, no, I, I want them here. He's my son and that's his wife. And he invited him. That That's my reading of it. Am I wrong? We don't really know what happened behind the scenes. We don't really know um, what their plans were. We do know that there were some things that were out in the open and very visible that were problematic for optics. For example, uh, the royal family at one point uh, decided that uh, anybody who had a ceremonial military title would be wearing a military uniform to uh, some of the lead up to the queen's funeral. And that included Anne, who had never served in the military at all. It included <laughs> Prince Edward, who dropped out of military training just a few weeks in. Uh, it included uh, Prince Andrew, who was, you know, for obvious reasons, stripped of most of his titles because he uh, associated with uh, a pedophile, you know. Mm. And, yeah. um, and yet Harry, who actually served two tours of active duty in Afghanistan, would not be allowed to wear his actual uniform, but everybody else would be allowed to play dress up and mm. wear their ceremonial uniforms. And the public was greatly outraged by that. That was a bad photo op. When those photos were released in the lead up to the funeral of all of them in their uniforms and Harry standing tall, who was not allowed to wear a uniform, there was outrage. And after that, they changed their tune. And the next event, Harry was allowed to wear his uniform because they knew they were screwing up there. So there have clearly been a lot of conversations about what is the best way to roll out all of these events, what will make for the best photos, what will um, make the people the happiest. So uh, even if behind the scenes there was a lot of pettiness or fighting or whatnot, uh, it's clear that they know they have to hmm. not upset the public here. And it's interesting that they're making up the rules as they go. You know, I'm thinking... As the people of Puerto Rico are suffering and working people are suddenly finding themselves today and possibly for the next week or two with no electricity and no running water because of this catastrophic hurricane and nobody is telling their stories and nobody's there to cover their stories, which is what I think journalism is supposed to be. We're, we're, we're getting every nuance of every move. The other day I saw that... Uh, the royal couple, uh, was it, it was both of them, actually. It was both the uh, princes and their wives. And they were getting flowers and the camera was moving in. And they were talking about, oh, look how gently she grabs that flower. And oh, 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 I, wait, wait, I think she's reading something. Oh, look, she shared it with her husband. And now, oh, wait, no, M Megan is looking at a man and apparently she's chastising him for look. I mean, it was just, it was almost like sick, like enough, you know? So I'm thinking to myself, we're getting so much coverage of these people. And I'm asking myself, who are these people? What do they do? What, what do these people do on a daily basis that is so deserving of this kind of coverage? What do royals do? They do quite a bit to support charities and uh, certain causes. They are essentially the PR reps for what it means to be British in the world. They are a continuation of um, history and, I would say, fairy tale and entertainment all rolled into one. Um, they are the heads of the church. They are the ceremonial heads of um, the military. They are the stabilizing force that helps carry forward the parliament, and they open the parliament and uh, consult with each of the um, hmm. uh, with each of the prime ministers. They serve as diplomats for their nations, and uh, that means meeting with world leaders around the world. Uh, they they do quite a bit, but I'm sure a lot of people would just say a lot of that just seems like diplomacy and PR, but right. diplomacy and PR are actually jobs. So I don't want yeah. to poo-poo that. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. They do, they do have to stay sober and attend events and, uh, <laughs> and no, and listen, that, that, that's a job, right? If you're a represent, mm -hmm. if you're the PR representative for a company or you're a marketing person for a, you know, publicly traded company, you, there's a certain way that you have to, you have to be on the ball and you have to be awake all the time. Um, so sane and sober, as I like to say, and there, there's something that is, uh, involved in that though. At the same time, they're, they're, they're on the public dole, uh, and they're paid, uh, handsomely, right? 
Yeah, I mean, they they do uh, receive a certain very small amount of money from the taxpayers, but I would look more carefully at what they receive that's not from the taxpayers. And those things they receive, I'm putting that in quotation marks, are in some cases things that maybe they pillaged, things that they mm. didn't receive in the best way. Um, how did they come to own all of these jewels that they own that are in the coffers? How did they come to own all of these properties and these vast swaths of land? How did they come to own those? And all the money they're making off of their tenants, because they're also landlords, um, all the interest they're making off of their investments, um, where did those investments come from? Where did that land come from? Where did yeah. the jewelry come from? And the money, it's much bigger than what are they getting from the taxpayers right now. That's yeah. how I feel about and it. And the money they get from Middle East com, com, uh, countries uh, where they're essentially uh, gifted, uh, in some cases, close to a billion dollars uh, by those other ruling monarchs, uh, so to speak, which just to a lot of people, it, it, it doesn't seem right. And again, look. The reason you and I are having this conversation is not because we want to be critical of the queen or the monarchy or think it needs to come down. That's a decision the British people need to make. But it has just seemed like throughout the coverage here in the United States, there has been no contextual explanation of what we were really watching. They turned it into a little fairy tale or a soap opera. And that's not what news people are supposed to do. They're supposed to give you the background. They're supposed to give you the reality of what this monarchy really is. And with the possible exception of maybe Ali Velchi for about a half hour, and he's going to probably be fired for doing this, and a couple of others, because most of the people who do the news in the United States look more like the monarchy instead of you and me, uh, it's been few and far between. And what we're saying here, and I think you agree, is it, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah, I think we can appreciate certain um, aspects of the monarchy, but part of appreciation is talking frankly about what the monarchy really is. That's great. That's great, Kristen. You you are so smart. Great guest. Uh, her Kristen's podcast, by the way, is called The Royal Report. It is by far the hottest thing you can get to right now because this is unfortunately what everybody is talking about, or fortunately. I, I wish they would have talked more about what happened yesterday in Puerto Rico, and I wish we'd get some coverage on that today. I checked, barely compared to the other stories, but you know, that's one of those things that we can hopefully change in the future. As you said, people of color, we'd like to get a little bit more representation as it goes. And that's why on this program, we like to tell Latino truths, if not Latino plus truths. What is Latino plus? Latino tr Latinos happen to be 20% of the population in the United States. And, you know, we're basically 2% of the coverage of the United States in terms of how we're covered and where we're asked to uh, attend to talk about things. But, you know, it's not just Latinos. It's Asian Americans, African Americans. You go right down the list. And I think that's important. And that's why we do this. And that's why we call this Rick Sanchez News on Agua Media, which you can also find on Spotify or on Apple. And, of course, if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, subscribe. My thanks to you, Kristen. You're wonderful. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. We'll be looking for you again. In the meantime, dale, adios, and vamos con todo. Agua.